Interiano, did I get that right? You did get oh, that right. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Uh, filmmaker, producer, editor. Uh, um, we were talking a little bit offline, uh, transitioning into directing, which is a, a huge step. And uh, that's and that's amazing. And uh, New York City. So tell me a little bit more about who you are, what you do, what you've been up to. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, yes, I... I'm originally from Guatemala. I moved to the States about 12 years ago to Los Angeles, and I've been in New York for the last two years, two and a half years. Um, so yeah, and I do consider myself a filmmaker. I work as a producer editor specifically, and I'm trying to make that jump uh, to direct in the last year. Uh, and yeah, I love New York City. It's been a weird year for everyone, not just for me. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy that things are sort of starting to to move along in a different direction. But, uh, but yeah, that's what I do. So not to, I hope I don't ruffle any feathers here. So there's this rumor going around. So New York, people are trying to move out of New York and they're mm -hmm. charging, and New York's charging a fee to people moving out? You know, I heard that the other day. I, I've been right. back and forth in the last uh, few months uh, yeah. going back for, to Guatemala and then I went to LA for work. So I heard that the other day and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't sound very surprising though. You know, New York wants to keep everyone here. I, I, honestly, last year, the amount of people that left the city is incredible so i would be surprised if <laughs> the city wants to keep people in here mm -hmm. um but i don't i honestly i wouldn't be able to tell you if that's actually true or that that's rumor but i did hear that the other day and, and it it's, didn't super surprise me but, right i mean a little intrusive i mean it, it's a it's like a, i think you know the, the best i could do is pull up like a reddit new york renter move New York renter move out fee fifteen hundred dollars non refundable. Oh my god! Okay, we, we rent from we rent from an owner. You know fees. You know obviously you know condo fees, but that renters might have to pay for condos or owner. But boarding. I mean just that's in, insane. Just informed that the board is starting to impose fifteen hundred dollars non refundable move out fees, <laughs> and I and so honestly. The first I heard about it, I actually heard about this yesterday. So I, I, I'm certainly not trying to pick on you being a New Yorker. I don't want you, no, I don't want I don't no. want you to burn any bridges being a New Yorker. But uh, but no, yeah, that's no. that's insane because it's like okay, it's so expensive to live in New York. I don't <laughs> I maybe mean, maybe it's such a New York thing to do though. Like, yeah, but just fees over fees. But <laughs> I I. I, I I get it if you're trying to break your lease, you know, and where you live in a co-op and it's so right. difficult to leave, then 
okay. But generally speaking, I, I doubt that that's a thing for everyone. Like, that's just insane. But I do, I can see that for people trying to break their leases. Of course, and, that's every state. You know, that's that's, that's every anywhere. city. That's every yeah. city, every state. Well, basically, if you break your lease, you don't get your deposit back. That's the right. safe. That's the safety net of the security deposit. If you destroyed the place, if there's damages, if there's cleaning, you uh, if you left the place immaculate and you're leaving on proper terms, you get that whole security deposit back. But you know, if you break your lease, then they can probably just pull the whole security deposit. And yeah. and that's the whole point of a security deposit. But you've paid that already. You kind of budgeted that. You know, but you, on top of that, you have to pay the. On top of that, a fifty, apparently. <laughs> so apparently if you're if you're giving notice you have to to avoid the fee you have to give an address of your next residence and if it's not new york or if it's not like the boroughs or if it's not the state or whatever then you're going to get hit with this fifteen hundred dollar fee <laughs> i mean if you're moving out because you're you know you're broke or you're and i'm going to jersey and you're going to Jersey or yeah. God knows where. Uh, <laughs> totally defeats the purpose. I got to read more about this because I, I'm so I, do I. It, it can't be that everyone has to pay that. That's just insane. That's crazy. And it's crazy because in the last few months, rents have dropped insanely. I mean, things are starting to go up now. But I mean, places that were $2,500 were. $1,500 so like a thousand dollar drop so you know and I think that's their but makeup for it because New York yeah. again is so expensive and, it, and New York was probably so used to such high mm -hmm. renter fees or high uh, uh, mortgage fees or, or whatever the case if, if you're owning if you're if you're buying if you have a business and they're so used to all this stuff and you're like I'm taking my business to another state you get you get hit with this move out fee. I'm taking I'm just moving me and my family to another state. You get hit with this move out fee because even for the last year, the last year and a half of quarantine, they were probably dumping all these prices. Mm -hmm. But it's like we don't want to make up for it. We, we got to make up for that. We don't want people to leave as we start raising these prices again with this inflation. And there's this additional oh you want to leave and not pay the inflated inflated new york prices the double triple inflated new york prices but i don't know that's that's just crazy to me that they would try to pull something like that that is so crazy yet like i said it's uh, part of me is not super surprised like such a <laughs> new york thing to do like it's a fee after fee after fee for just breathing in new york city yeah. so uh but that just feels a little too intrusive like you, you should have the right to go anywhere you want, anytime mm. you want. And if you paid your rent, paid your deposit, uh, you should be good. You know, you're fine. You're complying. So right. why add more? Exactly. Uh, exactly. I mean, yeah. I don't want to get. I, I think you know this is um, this this is our first interaction. We don't have to jump into the whole constitutionality of this whole move out fee, but. You know, moving yeah. from moving on from that, you know, how else do you, how else were you impacted the last year? How else were you impacted? Were how else? Uh, what did you see in New York? I know there was a lot of other 
you know, horror stories about New York just being a wasteland, being a ghost land or whatever the case may be. Uh, how were how you impacted personally, professionally, you know, a story or two from the, from your last year? Yeah, um, you know, it was hard for everyone, definitely. Uh, I, for me, it was a little different because I was, so I was working in Los Angeles, right, right when that doomsday happened where like tomorrow we're shutting everything down and so i was working on a show there we you know they stopped it whatnot in la yes mm -hmm. and i ended up staying there with my sister and nephews for a couple of months because my roommate back in new york was like things are horrible here like don't come back yet and, and again you, you we didn't know like every day was a different thing or you would learn more about what was happening so it was just like an uncertainty uh time obviously so i decided okay let me stay a couple weeks and see what's happening and then those two weeks ended up being uh two and a half months uh so i didn't come back to new york until the summer of okay. course i mean things were still really bad then but at least we had an idea of like okay we're gonna be in this for a while and <laughs> this is the situation so it was it was difficult, honestly. It, it personally and professionally, pro professionally, I did lose a, a few jobs that I had lined up uh, in the next few months from March, whenever the pandemic started. Yeah. So that was that was difficult, you know. Like everyone else, you know, you have this. <laughs> but I had two months already planned in terms of work, and all of a sudden I have nothing. So well. And what was mm -hmm. what was the show in LA? Like you were already working on that show, or that show got shut down, or I was so it was a show called World of Dance on NBC, and okay. um, so we were maybe like two three days away from wrapping. Mm. So we ended up just like compressing the last two days and getting rid of one of the segments, and so that we could end before. You know, it was like a Friday and then Monday they had, they were going to put in all these rules and stuff. So yeah. we finished right before that happened. Uh, of course, you know, getting rid of some of the segments that needed to be shot and whatnot. But so we finished the show, so to speak. But um, and then I was supposed to jump on another show here in New York a couple weeks after that. Of course, I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And sure enough, it didn't. And so, yeah, I, I think professionally, that was definitely hard. But personally, it just, you, you everyone was sort of on survival mode, right? And, yeah. and uh, I was with my sister, who's a single mom, and it ended up working out because overnight, <laughs> my two kids don't go to school they they have to get homeschooled and i need help you know so uh it ended up working out because i i helped her out that first month transitioning from school to homeschool and i have to work and i have to do this so you know things worked out in my family that way um back in new york i had my roommate who was freaking out and I'm freaking out because I'm paying rent and I'm not there and what's happening. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's, it, again, we're all in survival mode. So we all are trying to figure out what's happening. And, and I think that a lot of friendships 
got weird during that time also because uh, all of a sudden you realize someone has a different uh, thought on this or whatnot or when you're living with a roommate it's it's difficult you have to be mindful of the other person so I think it worked out that we weren't together at first um, then I ended up coming back to New York and, and things were of course weird and we had a lease that was ending so it was just like a bunch of things happening and and so it, it was pretty hard personally trying to figure out what my next move is going to be while figuring out am I going to work right and, and yeah I think the, and, I think I think the biggest thing that a lot of people ran into is who are we stuck with Exactly. Once, once that thing happened, you know, like, oh, you can always go out and hang out with other friends and, and family. You can disappear for, you know, back, you know, back in the good old days of 2019 and 2018, mm -hmm. you can just go disappear for a week or two, go on vacation. I mean, people have roommates they might not really, really like, but they, they deal with. But now it's like every day. Now it's yeah, like every day cool. for months. And, you know, I'm lucky. It was just me and my wife and our, mm -hmm. and our, uh, and our, you know, infant son. And it was, oh, okay. we were already married. So, I mean, there was a little, I guess there was a little bit of cabin fever and, you know, being mm -hmm. a movie, being a movie buff and having seen, I, I did this whole goofy shining, the shining uh, Instagram kind of goof thing where I was like re-memeing it as, you know, certain days of March and April and May of the quarantine. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, but, oh, God. <laughs> you know, like and, and it was goofy and, and having seen that and, and making those memes, then you can keep that in the back of your head. Like, don't really let this happen to yourself <laughs> in real life. Don't let life imitate art. And, you know, yeah. me, and the, me and the wife, you know, we might butt heads on some stuff and it's just like, okay, I'll just let it go. Just let it go. You know, just relax. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, but, well, even for people who like, if you're married or live with someone, it, it's different when you can't go out anywhere. It's yeah. different when you can't have that space. So there's, you know, there was still that freedom where you can go for a jog. You can go for a yeah. walk in the park. You put on your mask and you do whatever, but you go yeah. for that walk in the park for an hour or two, or maybe who knows, three or four hours. Just leave the house for the entire day, one day. Who knows? Yeah. But exactly. You know, uh, there there was I, I loved all the quarantine tick quarantine TikToks. There was somebody rummaging through someone's recycling bin. He would he would go he would go down to a different each video was a different neighbor he would like videotape their recycling bin and be like oh what are they drinking what are they eating oh they're drinking oh these people drink vodka these drink or these people drink margaritas these people are just drinking beer these people are drinking wine you know and kind of like oh, uh, kind of like trying to figure out what their households like just do the just, just by the trash just by the <laughs> trash and like what are they doing over there and then these guys are drinking a lot of booze over there they must be struggling to deal you know it was, it was you know goofy stuff like that and um that's hilarious i think yeah. i think we came across a lot of interesting new new normal art and media and like yeah people got creative mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and that's mm -hmm. And and that's I find that's always been the case, you know. And like nine eleven, post nine eleven was a much different films. You know, you remember the the films of the eighties were different than with, and with the films of the nineties and the two thousands. And there was always this progression. And then there was this 
not only this progression and not only this massive technical evolution, because we had a jump on a massive, we had a jump on a massive push of tech and, yeah. and that, and, 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 uh, and that sort of thing, but also thinking outside the box and, but, you know, back to yeah. you, back to you, uh, it's been a year and a half. You've been back on set. Obviously, we were talking offline. Like you're working on something or a couple. Yeah, of yeah. I have. You know, I I gotta say that it's it's great that I produce and I edit. I'm not like stuck with one thing. In the last year, I've done a lot more editing than I have in the past. I mean, equally as much. Yeah. It's been equally as much in the last few years but this last year I mean the demand for editors is just skyrocketing so I want to say that since maybe July of last year I've been fortunate to to have constant work and just go from show to show I have had a couple in-person on said jobs but for the most part it's been remote editing which is Mm -hmm. amazing it's uh it's it's difficult also because the time just kind of blends and then there's no even though you have a schedule like you just end up working more or end up responding you know like a weird times and and stuff but uh but yeah I I gotta say that I've been fortunate to have a lot of editing work in the last year the show I'm on right now is it's editing and it's remote um so yeah, you just need a good internet connection, which I've learned, we've all learned. It's so much more important that we give it credit. Uh, but yeah, if you're editing and you don't have a good internet connection, then you're you're screwed. Yeah. But but yeah, so it's it's weird, it's different, but at this point I'm just kind of like used to this not being with people situation. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. starting, I, I want to say starting 2016 or 2017, I've been trying my hardest to work from home to kind of run my own schedule, not only be full time freelance, but be like ultra independent full time freelance work from home work remote. Uh, I didn't have necessarily the, the editing skills or the editing software. And I've always I've been full time freelance probably now for the last 10 or 12 years. But the quarantine but I started that I started, you know, looking into the live streaming and, and the quarantine really kicked off the whole remote virtual live streaming uh, conferences, webinars, seminars, and kind of dabbling in this and dabbling in that. And, and then, so I was able to take some of the, you know, some, some of the equipment and some of the, and some of the skill set that, doing on-site live streaming you know say for example microsoft is at the convention center for five days they're doing amazon web services or or microsoft you know new products or whatever and we would have multiple camera setups live streaming that to their website or to youtube or what have you and then with the quarantine i said listen this is the third attempt at the podcast try this again and then those clients and those freelance rosters saw that and said, oh, dude, that's that's all we're doing now for the clients. It's all remote. And so it was just like this vicious cycle. And like you, blessed, you know, lucky or blessed or hindsight back then, you know, who knows, yeah. but, but stayed relatively employed and busy and uh, paid 
mm-hmm. during during those wild crazy times That's but amazing. but half of those wow. gigs i had that satchel and he was and, and the kid was just like here and, and i'm like typing <laughs> but if i have to be on camera or if yeah. i have to be constantly communicating like maybe there were some gigs that i'm directing and i'm yeah. on mic but maybe there's some that i'm not and i would just have him right there until he until he got to i think i don't know five or six months old and he's punching and crawling then that's when we started like trying to figure out How old is your oh he's son? now he, basically roughly a year and a half now okay and yeah. and like you i'm 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 overseas now i'm on a i'm on a gig and so i'm oh, cool. finally i'm back out there too and and it's and and so you know a lot of facetime stuff and and i'll be and i should be home relatively soon to uh but it's awesome yeah but but hey i mean at least like you said it's a blessing if you think about it you know absolutely like oh you had already started this sort of thing that even like not going that far just back in 2019 people were still very skeptical about doing a lot of work like Mm -hmm. this and remote and like no we can't so in a way, what a blessing to do that. But yeah, it works. We can do this. Yeah. It is possible to work remote or even direct, like you said. So many productions doing that via Zoom and all that. So, I mean, Zoom also making that money right now. Oh, my but- gosh. Why didn't we jump on the stock back in 2019? <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> that Zoom was going to, nobody even knew what Zoom was back in 2019 so yeah. maybe either because you work in the you know podcast so yeah I, so i did and i knew that you could and and so from a technical standpoint and i know the viewers are probably gonna get bored but i know you'll appreciate this with with zoom if you have multiple if you have multiple monitors hooked into your tower or to your laptop you have multiple monitors you can pin you can pin people to different monitors and then depending on what streaming software or editing software or, or yeah, live streaming, you know, studio software you're using, you can bring those monitors back in as your camera, as your video source. And so you can wow. cut to, you can cut to camera A, which is really monitor A, cut mm-hmm. to camera B, which is monitor B. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can do all the switching just through Zoom. And there's still, there's limitations. There's other softwares, maybe Google Meet, you can pin to more monitors zoom you can only pin two monitors but if you have more monitors if you had a third monitor you can kind of do the gallery view and that can be your screen sh- that can be like another we- uh, another you put a graph yeah. put a graphic on there or oh no that's bullshit because you can just make mm-hmm. that graphic within the stream of software but you know even then i was like man there's some there's some possibilities with this but i'm not trying to pay 200 300 a year when the quarantine happened i think zoom dropped their prices by half and i was like well there's nothing else going on definitely pay that premium price now totally hopefully 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 get grandfathered into that premium price and you can have Mm -hmm. you know six guests you can have 10 guests on at a time do like a big panel or round table Mm -hmm. uh for more than 40 minutes you know that 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 time gap that zoom has you know maybe yeah but i mean the fact that you can produce a whole show just via zoom and and essentially that's what you know live shows are doing and they Mm -hmm. just 
just put an, another app in between to make it yep. <laughs> remote and do it with internet. But yeah, I mean, I, I worked on a couple of shows um, in the last few months where they decided live shows for the, that they decided to you know, eliminate some of the people that couldn't travel because of the pandemic or whatever. Uh, and they did this essentially, not, not necessarily with Zoom, but they were switching mm-hmm. and looking at the feed from thousands of miles away. So it makes you think, okay, so we did have, I mean, not that we have a question, obviously our technology is, has been good, but we just never thought about it. We just never thought of this as a possibility to, you have to be in person. Like, no, you don't. So and a lot of companies also choosing to eliminate the office space, right? We don't have a production office anymore. Like, why pay for it if we can do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you think about it, it is it is something positive. I mean, I do miss interaction, and I I am thankful that I go back and forth between producing and editing, and I can I do some jobs where I am in person, but. Uh, yeah, I I do miss the going somewhere, right? And not yeah. having to be stuck in front of my computer for thirteen hours. But um, but yeah, but in on the other hand, like I've been tra- I've been in Guatemala, I've been in Los Angeles for another job. So all I need is my computer, and I'm set, and I can still be working. Um, so yeah, pros and cons definitely, but I think mostly positive if you want to. Uh, be optimistic about this new normal mm-hmm. but no my my and my big thing my big thing in my big thing in film and tv has always been i want to be on a different set i want to travel and i want to be you know all over the world yeah i, I at the same time i wanted to have some sort you, you still have to like have a backup backup plan i always wanted my backup plan to remain in film and tv I don't, I have an attention, maybe I have an ADD and attention span problem when it comes to editing and I'm sitting here working on this one thing and I gotta, you gotta start with a rough cut and you lay down this and then start adding graphics and then, and it's like, God, you gotta walk away and then you gotta, and then the rendering. But then when you finally get to kind of like the final cut, you're, you're adding some of the, you know, the icing and the sprinkles to that product, product, that project and you know tweaking some of the audio and you really you know like you know you know jazzing it up that's where the fun that's where when the fun finally starts but for me but for me having that skill set that's more of a skill set as a backup still within film and tv you know i Mm -hmm. jack of all trades but a master of one or two maybe you know being on set being an ad a director a producer uh, freaking, you know, a PA script supervisor, whatever, like all those different. And then I try to, and then I try to take advantage. I definitely, I got certified as a COVID compliance officer now called a COVID compliance manager. Um, just mm-hmm. to keep, just to keep those opportunities, say, Hey, with this position during the quarantine as that position, I would go back on set because then mm-hmm. I can be as strict as possible because I still had to like come home and make sure I don't pass it off to the wife and kid and mm-hmm. um, never got a single 
never got a single gig as a COVID compliance manager because it was all the live stream virtual remote stuff. So I had no problem with that. I was always taking that first, rather stay yeah. home, stay safe, stay with a wife and kid and do all that remote work from home. But the goal for me was just to be on set and have things blowing up or, you know, gun shootouts, pyro, uh, you know, car chases, you know, big action fan that I am. That's always been the plan is that's what I want to be involved in even started act even started acting so i could you know just be on set mm -hmm. in front or behind awesome. the camera the goal was always to be on set traveling going to different places uh you know nice yeah i mean there's definitely life. different vibes yeah it's, it's you, you no denying the the vibe and the energy that exists being on set like you said whatever it is that you're doing yeah that that's something that you can't have doing this remote so yes it is great that you can still work and do this but yeah i, I also miss that aspect of just going there and then that energy and, and that uh yeah, editing it's funny you mentioned not, not funny but um you're mentioning it is it takes the the pay it's not for everyone definitely <laughs> no it's you not know? for everyone a lot of <laughs> as an editor i can tell you it, it, it a lot of people you know know how to use premiere and avid and like oh now i'm an editor well honestly you, it, it's so much more than being able to use the software and it's mm -hmm. like you said oh having the the skill set to not just the patient but the skill set to come up with that first rough cut and on a deadline, on a schedule with pressure. And uh, once you get to the end of it, that's when the fun starts and then you start. For me, it's always, it's a fun process regardless, but yeah, it's it's not, you're not gonna get the same thrill from being on set than from being in front of your computer for 13 hours. Definitely not for everyone. Yeah, but I think it's important to also understand editing and what it takes to edit in order to get the shots you needed and 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 to be on yeah. set and to to direct or to be a production manager, to be a producer, script supervisor, AD. You need to understand <clears throat> the basics of the art and the discipline of editing. It all <clears throat> obviously it all intertwines unless you're just going to make a one one of those movies that's all like a one duration, one long, dura what do you call it? One continuous one shot, one, a one take yeah. movie, you know, or, you know, if, if comprised of four, four long takes and you've seen that in and there's only one yeah. edit, but still yeah. there's a lot of sound and there's a lot of maybe some CGI that has to go into like fix things. There's a lot, of, there's definitely sound manipulation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's something that I'm I'm not gonna you know like be a super super brag about what I can and cannot do. It's something I can do, and it's something I think I'm good at. It's just like like you said, starting off that rough cut. It's just like oh god, this is good. this sucks. Oh yeah. And then once you once you once you lay it down, once you start seeing things coming together, then it's like okay, maybe all right, this looks. This looks like good. yeah, I got it. But but you're right. You said it right. I think everyone, you know, now that I've been transitioning to directing, and it's been a process to get there. But uh, absolutely, I think anybody 
who wants to be a director or on the other side, you want to be an editor, you have to understand both sides. Like, I feel like the best directors are the ones that understand the editing, the edit process and like mm-hmm. what you need. And, oh yeah, this doesn't work. This works. And on the other hand, if you want to be an editor, understanding that, okay, as editors sometimes, because this is the moment where you see everything laid out and everything's big and you see all the errors and you see whatever happened that was wrong. So it's very easy to be like, oh my God, they messed that up or that looks horrible. But if you have been a producer, if you've been a director, if you've been whatever it is, you've been on set, you understand that, okay, but that that took five hours to do. So it wasn't right. that you understand how difficult things are on that side. So I know editors who've never, who their experience on set is very limited. So they don't empathize with what it's like being on set and what it takes to, for you to have this two second explosion. It took mm-hmm. a whole day. So, you know. And, and, yeah. and going, going back to editor's involvement, uh, Dee Dee Allen is known mm-hmm. to have, you know, completely changed um, the creative process and, and, and the work and, and kind of the direction of the editor to such an extent that John Hughes ha- had her on set throughout the entire production of Breakfast Club, almost as a co-director or a uh, or a, an, an AD. He had an AD, mm-hmm. and he was directing and he wrote it. But it was almost to to this extent that he would turn to her and be like, "What else do I need as far as coverage or as far or as far as uh, you know?" giving you extra for as an editor and she was like giving him like a secondary shot list or an additional shot list and and that's i don't know if the breakfast club was his first or second i think second i think six uh 16 candles was his first i think 16 candles was director director debut but with -hmm. breakfast club he had he had her on set with him the whole time and then she goes to edit. So, I mean, guys, she must've had a, a super payday with that, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you definitely, if you're not, if you're a director, that's not experienced editor. Also, you got to think out, you always have to be a communicator and you always have to think outside the box and say, listen, I don't know jack shit about editing, but if I get my editor, can we pay the, the editor extra and have him on set and just yeah. advise the shot list or Totally. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with being honest about that. You don't have to have, you don't have to be an editor. You don't have to understand it, but being open and saying, okay, that's not my forte. So yeah. how about we bring that in one day or just talk, be in communication. That's, that's a big mistake a lot of um, new directors make is, oh, I don't need to talk to the editor until the process starts. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you should talk to that person beforehand and like kind of, because you might get some insight that is going to be helpful or yeah. whatever it is. And again, there's no, there's no harm in, in being honest about that and saying, okay. My yeah, big, my, my mm-hmm. biggest headache as an AD has always been, you know, uh, and it's mostly new, you know, beginner directors that are micromanaging everything. And 
Oh yeah. Of course, and, and the problem is, of course, they wrote it. They're probably the executive producer. They're directing it. They're probably and and most times, well, in my case, in my case anyway, they were always the ones that were going to end up editing it. And it's like you need to step back. You need to stop. Okay, I'm the I'm the AD here. Let me let me do all the micromanaging. There was there was a director holding it holding up the shot because he wanted the actor to knock like a certain number of times, and he wanted this. And then another shot, he wanted this beer bottle to face this one way. And I'm like, dude, we're probably not even going to see that. Is this <laughs> is this is this critical to the story? How many knocks? she does on the door is this is this critical if we see mm -hmm. the beer can and he goes no i'm like dude go behind the camera if you got any notes let me do it but we need to make our day because big big picture as far as principal days go if you don't finish your day you don't have a finished movie exactly. if you if you get your basics then you've got a basic scene for that it might not be exactly what you wanted but at least the film's done. Exactly. Uh, a, a genius perfect film that's not done is not a genius perfect film. But a decent film that's in the can and done is at least a decent film, if not better. And absolutely. The big, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And and and, and, and there were and there was a script that I'm work. There's a couple of scripts that I passed off to some potential partners, and I told them. I don't want to edit. I don't want to produce. Here's my script. I'd love to direct. If you don't want me, if you don't want me to direct, I'd like to act in it. But that's mm -hmm. it. I don't want to freaking edit this thing. I, so many other productions that, that I've worked on and these same producers, I've worked with them on some other films. The producers, they financially backed it. They've they still haven't seen a a rough cut of these films that we worked on. They still haven't even seen a rough cut. They haven't seen anything. It's been over a year or two. And for mm -hmm. me, it's, for me, it's like, I don't want to edit. Like, yeah, no, once, especially once we, if you're going to direct. Once no we way. have, yeah, exactly. Once we have it in the can, once we have it in the can, I'll sit with the director probably for a day, mark up the script. I'll mark up the script. And then here you go, you go, you know, do your part as an editor because the editors, have a much bigger, you know, thing invo involved yeah. In, yeah. in it creatively than just my mm -hmm. micromanaging. My micromanaging is, is going to slow it up because while that person is directing my first movie, uh, while that person is editing my first movie, I'll go direct my second one. And that's where the experience comes in. I mean, like you said, it's, it's the micromanaging I mean, some people just have that personality in general, but with experience, you realize that, okay, the delegating is better or that, okay, I don't have to stay fixated on this one shot that we're probably not even going to see. So if the experience of being open to accepting that, okay, I am just a director and you are the script supervisor for a reason, you are the editor for a reason, so you delegate, you you trust your ad you trust everyone like otherwise why hire all these people if you're not going to trust them mm -hmm. uh but it, it it's the more you do it the more the obviously the better you get at it again there are people who just naturally like to micromanage and just like to be on top of everything but 
But yeah, it, it's a muscle. Even it, it, even I, I, as editors, you know, you understand the process. Now that I've been transitioning to directing and and wanting more of that experience, you realize that how big of a creative muscle that is and, and knowing that, okay, I know this in theory, but being able to quickly adjust and like you said, okay, we're not gonna see this bottle. So we don't have to spend two hours on this shot. Let's move on because otherwise you're not even gonna have a movie. Yeah, uh, It's experience. It's a creative muscle that you have to be doing and, and exercising. Exactly. I mean, again, it goes back to being a great communicator and a great and a great delegator as a director Mm -hmm. and as a producer. It's it's communicating and it's delegating. You Mm -hmm. hire you hire the people who have the visions that match your vision and you say, hey, have have at it with the production design, have at it with the wardrobe, have at it. Mm -hmm. I trust Mm -hmm. you because at that point, for me. And also for me, as far as, you know, me being a producer or me being, you know, the entrepreneur of my production company, of of my brand, of film and TV, you ha- I still have to remember there's a, there, there has to be this balance between quality and quantity. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to spend 10 years on one film. I'm going to spend one year on 10 films. so that you can have because at the end of the day i still have to make money and and have some sort of nest egg have some sort of legacy have some sort of uh you know retirement plan for me and the family and 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 all that and so there has to be more than one thing and so there's Mm -hmm. this fine line between quantity and quality and Oh, I forgot, I forgot another point I was going to make with that, but it's like, mm-hmm. you delegate that, get this thing in the can. It's got to be great. It's got to be good, obviously. But again, communicating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I but, agree. Communi- and, and making oh, content. <laughs> yeah. Making content, but also I sometimes appreciate and admire the what ifs and 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 the and the accents and the happy accents during during quarantine there was times where i said hey listen i need some shots of you guys doing this so here's some quick notes do your best and send it to me on google drive and they sent me something and it wasn't exactly what i wanted but it was hilarious and it worked and i plugged it in anyway and it's and and it's just having this uh how this thing kind of came together really would mean having no control over it while it was being shot i did some i I put some notes together kind of like wrote it and they essentially directed and acted it out themselves and now you've got like multiple directors but sometimes at the flip of a coin what do we do with this shot what do we do with this scene flip a coin you know um and and adapting too like such so important to adapt like okay i can't be there in person so how do i make how do i make them how do i make this happen mm-hmm. without being there and just adapting quickly again so that's something that a lot of people don't talk about it's oh you're just a director you that's it like a big part of it is adaptability mm-hmm. but we saw that this whole year with quarantine with yeah. the pandemic 
adapting to whatever it is you're shooting remotely or editing or whatever it is oh god adapting so it is the survival of the fittest if you're able to adapt and and kind of stay working and all that you have to adapt otherwise yeah and delegate letting go a little bit of like okay i'm not there so i'm gonna trust you to act this bit that i just wrote and and sort of directed because obviously I'm not there uh so there's like a big uh, trust there so if you're a micromanager you're gonna have a really big issue trusting someone someone doing what you wanted to do and when you're not there Mm -hmm. yeah and you take a look at uh you take a look at Easy Rider with Dennis Hopper and and Peter Fonda and that scene with Jack Nicholson where they start they start passing around a joint and I don't and, and I think the rumor is or the story is Jack Nicholson never really smoked weed before, but Dennis Hopper gave him some really potent shit. And he was trying to work his way through the lines. And, he, and of course, he starts hysterically laughing, he just starts cracking up. And then he says the lines from beginning again. He told the whole story again. He, they kept that whole thing in the movie because it's like, it's almost like keeping a blooper in the movie because it's real, because it's realistic, because, because, it's, because it's funny, it's, an endear, it's endearing, it's honest, because that's what mm-hmm. happened. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like that was a, but just seeing like what happens, let's just see what happens, you know, like just roll the camera. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling this. Let's experiment and flip a coin sort of deal. So absolutely. But yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's how you, a lot of the best scenes you've seen came that way, but mm-hmm. it, they wouldn't have happened if you didn't have that flexibility and adaptability of like, no, well, I want to stick to what the script says and this is what I want to do. But then you wouldn't have that scene um so yeah it it it, it, that's a big part of directing and um not micromanaging and adapting and (laughs) it's easier said than done for sure I mean obviously at some point we all want to have a say on what you're doing and if it's your especially if it's your baby and your passion project like you you want to be able to have a little bit of control but again that comes with experience and and also being a good communicator yeah uh, yeah and 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 again to these to these hilarious scenes uh i've i've i must have mentioned swingers the movie swingers on this on, on my podcast like every mm-hmm. other episode but it's just these guys getting together you know dealing with dealing with breaking up with their girlfriend their six year long relationship it's been six months since they broke up how do I get back? How, how do I get back in the game? How do I meet girls? And, mm-hmm. you know, that movie is so full of, and, and I'm looking up another movie here. That movie is so full of, where's this movie that uh, Robert De Niro did? Yeah, that's it. So there's, you know, at the, of course, at the end of the movie, you know, John Favreau, he meets Heather Graham. They're at this swing club. They're swing dancing, da da da, da. And then they go to a diner afterward for, you know, like midnight midnight breakfast. And, yeah. and, uh, and Vince Vaughn is drunk out of his mind. He's so happy. And he's like, you're all grows up. You're all grows up. And it's just these two, like, it's actually three of them. 
give him a rash mm-hmm. of shit. John Favreau says, okay, calm down, Jackknife. And you realize, you realize mm-hmm. these guys in real life are movie buffs, but in the movie, yeah. but in yeah. Swingers, they're, they're, they're struggling actors, comedians that are probably movie mm-hmm. buffs. And Jackknife is a reference to a Robert De Niro movie where Robert De Niro was having this huge tangent. He's a Vietnam vet with PTSD. He's having this huge tangent. He calls him Jackknife. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he starts stepping on the table. He starts yelling at everybody in the diner, yelling at everybody on set. He was probably annoying the hell out of the actress playing the diner. He was probably feeding her lines that were never written down in the script. The actress is, has no idea what's going on. And that adds this tension, this comedic, chaos and john favreau is like and, and so the third guy i i wish i could remember his name but he was uh he's got trent he got mikey oh god i, I, I can't remember the other guy but he sit there laughing bawling his eyes out laughing and he's kind of just playing along with the scene he probably had no guidance and no direction doug lyman was probably just like had at it and he's sitting, he's sitting there bawling his eyes out. And finally, I, I watched that scene maybe a week ago. A buddy of mine sent it to me. And watching that guy, I, I decided to watch him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's one of those times as maybe as an actor, as an independent filmmaker, that's the, you're, he probably had the best time of his life just in that scene, that one night shooting that scene. He, didn't, he said a couple of words where he would react to Trent, he would react to Mikey. There was, you know, the famous line where, where Mikey, John Favreau says, I got it figured out. I don't need your help. And they all just look at him like, he's got it all figured out. And, 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 <laughs> and he said, and, and like the third guy said, they're like, he, he's, he's, he's got it figured out. I'm so happy for him. And, but then Trent steals the scene and he's sitting there laughing. But again, it's one of those acceptances of throwing you know, throwing in some extra fuel on the fire and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And letting it roll. Yeah. And it was gold and it was amazing. All grown so, up. Yeah. That, that whole scene turned iconic. Exactly. Yeah. So good thing they let, they were open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, those are the best directors adapting and letting things flow sometimes. You don't have to, I'm sure. I mean, definitely there's a script and you do that but at some point recognizing the moments where that's going to be a great scene if we just like let it roll or they're the actors are already improving and there's like the vibe it's just there let it roll do yeah, it absolutely yeah. well speaking mm-hmm. of directing what's next on the agenda for Hema Inter- Interiano Hema Interiano uh, what's next on the agenda what's the next set of goals next what's the next set of plans What's the big picture mm-hmm. next? What's next on the agenda? So first is finishing this show that I'm currently on. Uh, that I have a couple more weeks. And then I want to spend a little more time writing a couple scripts that I have in mind. So what and is this show? So what is this show you're, uh, you're finishing up, if you can tell me? This show I'm working on, it's a show for Facebook Watch, a dance show um, called Dance with Nia. And so it's current, I think we have two episodes out currently. We have another 10 to go. Uh, so oh, yeah. yeah, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. And 
so but yeah after the, I've been I've been editing nonstop. like I said thankfully I'm not complaining I'm really happy for the work uh so I want to spend a little more time developing a couple scripts that I have in mind and just continuing to create this director directing route for myself and so so yeah first getting diving into those scripts that I've been putting off because of work and you know how it is life gets in the way and you work and you have these ideas and they need they need time people don't realize how much time that you need to to develop scripts to write scripts to develop things produce so yes next is I'm going to take a couple weeks off to sort of wind down and and focus on on uh, writing Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. so what drives you what's the what's what's the biggest driving force for Hema to switch to directing to make these Um, what's what if, 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 if you could name one thing that drives you what is that to direct specifically or, or to make this transition to work in general or what drives you life honestly I, I think I get inspired by a lot of things like it could be the most mundane thing um but it's gonna sound really superficial to say this but it's just being open to I feel like I'm a yes woman and it drives me to to be keep my possibilities open but more importantly just knowing that whatever I'm gonna do is gonna make an impact and that's why I said it might sound superficial and like a cliche everyone wants to do something that (laughs) is gonna do good but it drives me to know that whatever I'm gonna do is gonna make some difference it's gonna make uh something and that's why I like editing for example because you have that power you have that power to to make things uh not not only to be creative but you know you could change the meaning of something by just deleting a word or something and so uh with directing as well like the 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 power that you have to make something good or bad is 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 there so it drives me to think that I, I want to do good. I want to do projects that are going to either inspire, that are going to have some say in something, that are going to make a difference. Uh, so, so yeah, I want to say that that's what inspires me. What drives me is keeping in mind that uh, whatever I do is going to make an impact in someone's life. Absolutely. And so I know that it sounds like a cliche to say that but otherwise what's the point you know I I, I love yeah. film and I want to be in film my whole life and all that but at some point I want to know that what I'm doing is important and I don't I don't think there's anything cliche about it I think you know I'll, everyone's trying so hard to be original and stand out but there is that phrase nothing's original anymore and to to make an impact mm-hmm. there's to make an to make an impact that being your driving force is not cliche it's it's an honest reason and my biggest thing with film with tv with acting is to do what you love you know mm-hmm. if you're you know if you're a, if you're, if you're 
you have dreams and you have goals of being a filmmaker, then don't have a fallback as, you know, a car salesman or a banker. You're going to hate it. You're going to get sucked into it. 10 years are going to fly by and you didn't do shit that you wanted to do. Folk, mm -hmm. Only focus on what you want to do. And even more, and even more so, sometimes people change their minds. I don't want to do this shit anymore. I want to do something else. Then, then, then quit and go mm -hmm. do that new thing that you want to do. That's the biggest, that's always been my biggest driving force. I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to be involved. I would do radio if it paid well. Mm -hmm. And I got to talk to, you know, you and, and folks like us all day, every day. If this was, if this podcast was the only thing, I'd love it because I love it. You know, I love mm -hmm. doing it. I would do radio. I would do uh, shit. I would host a game show because you're on set. You meet like weird people every day. Um, there is that, there is that egotistical, there is a little bit of that ego in me that, hey, I'm on TV, people are seeing me, people are laughing at me. There is, mm -hmm. we do have that. Well, you have to, you know, but, as a performer. Mm -hmm. But like you said, if you're making an impact, Alex Trebek made an impact, you know, like mm -hmm. Jeopardy was a great show and something, and, and something unfortunate happened to him. And so he made that a platform through his other platform. You know what exactly. I mean? And he, and he helped make an impact. I think he helped make an impact. If not, brought a lot of attention to uh, Absolutely. Uh, can uh, uh, cancer. I, oh, man. I think it was prostate cancer he had. But, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you know, being a yes man or being yeah. a yes woman, you know, like that, that's what, uh, you know, that stood out in what you were saying is, you know, I always think, I always think of Jim Carrey. I don't know. He mm -hmm. puts so much. Jim Carrey puts so much into his, into his work. He always gets the best roles. He started with Ace Ventura and it was the dumbest story, a pet detective. And he was given, he was given liar, liar. One of the most ingenious comedy scripts. You, you're, you are yeah. unable to lie. Think of the clusterfuck of a life that would have if you're unable to lie yeah. for, a whole, for 24 hours. And then you know, a bunch of other great movies, but then Yes Man, he did Yes Man, and he made a pact with himself to say yes to everything. I mean, mm -hmm. the absolute shit show of a life, <laughs> if you were to say yes to everything. But think about that. You're going to get involved in so many different people's lives, and you're going to get involved in so many cool things. <clears throat> and, yeah. you know, my time in the military, a Yes Man mm -hmm. in the military is a problem. You just say yes okay. to everything. It's like you can question some things and you can like ask questions and you kind of refine them. There's, there's people that are just like, yes, yes, we'll do that. Yes, yes, we'll do that. And it's like, bro, why are we doing all this stuff? But that's not the kind of yes, man, I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, hey, do you want to, you know, someone asked me, do you want to work on a, you want to play a cop in, you know, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 7? Like, yep. Exactly. It might be stupid. Yeah. It might be yeah, yeah. it might be the dumbest freaking movie. Oh my god, not another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Hell yeah, I'll do play a cop in that. And you, exactly. you get, you're gonna get killed in a really bad way in the first 10 minutes. Okay, yes. I don't care. <laughs> you know, like let's do it because 
that could lead to something else, could lead to something else, could lead to something Exactly. Else. That's the kind of, yes, exactly. That I'm obviously, exactly, we don't want to think. It, it wouldn't be feasible to oh. have a life with um, just yes, but oh. yeah, professionally. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm a trained actor. I'm Shakespearean trained. I'm, I'm not going to, F that. Being I will do it in a heartbeat. And you know what? I, I've learned that, um, of course, I mean, some things you can't say yes to, but being open, like sometimes those opportunities that 10 other actors, in this case, for example, they're the cop in the new Texas Chainsaw movie and 10 mm -hmm. other actors are going to say no, but the one that said yes, and then you, you're going to land another role because they loved <laughs> your performance or you met somebody else in that movie that so had you not said yes, you wouldn't even have gotten this other job or met this person so i i, I want to say that some of the best people i know and experiences i've had have been through saying yes to some something that uh other people were saying no or that it didn't seem like something i should do and, and like you said uh a lot of times it, it's a very we can be pretentious in this industry right and then it's like well i'm a director i'm not gonna do that Okay, well, sometimes you gotta know, you gotta learn how to recognize these opportunities. Mm -hmm. Where, okay, uh, this role is not gonna be an Oscar winning role, but it might bring me some other opportunities. Um, so, being able to recognize that, is, I, I feel like that's a hidden talent. Um, saying yes to the right things uh, and being, being open, not, not, not being pretentious. Obviously, know your worth and know what you're you can do and all that but uh i personally have had some of the best experiences and i've met some of the craziest and nicest people for saying yes to things that other people were not saying yes to mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. you know uh christopher walken everybody knows who christopher walken is now you know he won an oscar for best supporting in deer hunter i think in 78 or 79 but by the time the 80s and 90s came around, he just said yes to everything. Yeah. And he was like, I don't care. I'll say yes to everything. And he was in some really dumb <laughs> B movies. He did all the Prophecy movies. I mean, Prophecy 3, I mean, it was like straight to video. I mean, this guy's an Oscar winner. And this was before, you know, like, I guess this was this was long before Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> started, yeah. started oh, doing the God. bad movies. This is long before Ray Liotta started doing all the bad movies. <laughs> You know, Bruce, Bruce Willis, John Cusack, Nick Cage, even Morgan Freeman, they're doing all these bad movies now. And for what reason? I don't even Robert De Niro is picking I some mean... is, is picking some clunkers. But Christopher Walken was still invited on talk shows and even asked that and he goes, what do I what, what else is going on? I'll, I'll, if someone <clears throat> if someone offers me a role, I'm gonna do it because yeah. I like it. And he's awkward he's weird he's doing these weird b movies these ultra independent artsy movies that <clears throat> not that many people see and then all of a sudden uh you want to be in this music video and he does that fat boy slim music video and then he's a cultural icon again oh god i forgot about that yeah mm -hmm. every time they ask him to call on snl he says yes and he's some of the best weirdest bits on snl um and now he is this just this iconic bizarre cult icon and 
in the last 20 years, everything he's picked has been a winner because now he can sit back and now he can start picking because yeah. winning, winning an Oscar and, and this, this always stood out to me. And, and I don't, I don't think there were, there was, he ever up outright, outright said it, but it always stuck out to me that he avoided the Oscar curse by taking everything, not, not turning down everything. And then you're screwed. Like maybe some actors do, they win an Oscar and then they can get pretentious and then they can get choosy. He wins an Oscar and he's still saying, oh no, I'll take everything. I'll do it all. And then he is in such high demand because some, you know, $2 million B movie and he probably got paid 25,000 or 50,000, who knows how low of a, of a, of a paycheck he took. He still did his thing and still made himself unique in no matter what he was in mm-hmm. and that you know that wild hair and uh and all that stuff and yeah but you're right you think about now that you've mentioned him you think about him as this unique person iconic really you know we, things like the, the cowbell and snl like it's, yeah. it, it sounds so ridiculous on paper or whatever but he was open you're right and and now he's obviously he was christopher walken then and and, and all that but i feel like these the cowbell. Opportun- yeah. the cowbell. i feel like these opportunities these uh weird projects that he's been i mean snl is not weird but you're right he's done another low budget thing that nobody even knows about mm-hmm that's why people love Christopher Walken. Um, yeah, I mean, he did and- the cowbell. He did the uh, the Continental. You know that creepy <laughs> that, that creepy guy yeah. that's always trying to get that girl to like kind <laughs> <laughs> of like kidnap that that woman. And oh I mean these these bits these bits turn iconic. the the whole The whole Continental thing is shot first person from the female's perspective. And he's being a weirdo, yeah. and there's a bit he did on SNL that that you can only find on the DVD, but I've been trying to find it on YouTube, where he wears like this tight t-shirt and these and these jeans and these tight skinny jeans, but he has this wig. It's an afro of rainbow colors. Mm-hmm. It's he's so out of place. It's so bizarre. I don't know. I think they just let Christopher Walken just go rummage through an old bin of wigs and clothes. So you just dress up however you want to dress up for this role. He put, so he's got this wig, this big puffy Afro wig of multiple rainbow colors. It looks like an old clown wig, but he's not wearing clown makeup. He's got this weird tight t-shirt, but he's, but the bit is he is, uh, he's at one of those Jerry Springer or Ricky Lake type shows. And he's asking, you know, uh, you know, the cheating wife, or the or, or the the cheated on husband like these questions he's like listen sister and it's christopher walken he's like listen home girl it is so bizarre and but you know how like remember with you know with those with those jerry springer shows the audience will like yeah you know, like like talk shit to the to the panel uh-huh. and it's just like these bizarre, it's just these weird bits that he gets involved in and it's because of all the weird bits he's willing to get involved in he says yes yeah 
Yeah, that other actors are not willing to do, and, and he does them, and that's why people love him. I mean, people love him. I mean, and, and yeah. when I was when I was growing up, I was growing up when there was still a a lot of homophobia, and everyone's like, "Oh, Tom Hanks is playing a gay man with AIDS in Philadelphia." Pfft, won an Oscar for it though, mm-hmm. and now Tom Tom Hanks now is considered like America's dad, mm-hmm. America's yeah. leading man, America's dad leading man. Yeah. And one and one of the best one of the best finest actors of all time, oh, um, yeah. Robin Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. They're playing, you know, a gay mm-hmm. couple in the Birdcage. One of the one of the funniest, one of the most memorable performances by Robin Williams. One of the funniest movies. Yeah. And it's just taking that risk. And yeah, I'm willing. And, I, I would be willing to take that risk. At the same time, I know where my strengths lie. As an actor, mm-hmm. my strengths lie with military roles and, and police roles with, with my you know, experience in the military as, as an MP in the military. That's basically my acting school. I don't have time to go to acting to other, I don't have time or money to go to other acting schools. I know where my strengths lie now, maybe down the road, if something, yeah. you know, if, if, I, if I hit pay dirt, if I get lucky and get some extra money, I can refine my acting skills with a legit acting school, but my acting school is real, real world experience, military, military police work. So it's always law enforcement roles, detective roles, military roles, you know, Sergeant this detective that whatever, mm-hmm. because I know where my strengths lie, but I will say yes to all those roles, whether it's uh, background, extra featured, extra supporting lead, yeah, because yeah. that gives me an opportunity to be on set, be seen. Someone's like, I like this guy. This guy's good at what, mm-hmm. at what he does. He's good. Mm-hmm. Get him on the next thing. Get him on the next thing. Get him on the next thing. Get him on. And, 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 and it, and exactly. it, and it snowballs like that. Exactly. And that's it, exa- it really does. Yeah. yeah, it really does. It's amazing. But so I, I, I agree. I agree. Being able to say yes and open. No, not a lot of people talk about that. And um yeah so, what's the so so in my mind um and i brought this up before on the show with some other guests so in my mind the new year wasn't really january 1st it was like somewhere in march you know because the quarantine so the march for, for me in maryland quarantine started march 12th so march 12 2021 that was kind of like the new year how did we progress from that so i know it's i know it's almost july now um <clears throat> so I'm pretty sure it's too late to say happy new year to you. But when I say to you, what's the new year, new you, what's the new normal new you for, for Hema, what, what comes to mind? The new normal, the new you, the new year, new normal, new you, what comes to mind when I say that? I think staying in theme, I think that the new me is, even though I've always been a very adaptable person is, taking that another nudge and to another not uh, to another level and being even more adaptable that that's the new me I, everything has been so unpredictable that it's sort of built this um I don't want to say confident it's it just built this thing in me where I just have to be quicker and adapting and there's- and, and yeah. But there's there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with confidence though. Like that's that's the biggest beef that I get with a lot of people. Like, oh, you're you're cocky, you're arrogant. I'm like, no, I'm confident, and there and that's a strength. And you know, yeah, uh, yeah. 
let's let's That's go true. you know let's look at these bodybuilders and everyone's like oh they're on roids well there's a 50 percent chance that these these guys are on roids but yeah. but you can take roids and not get that jacked because there's a lot of work that goes into getting jacked like these bodybuilders there's a lot of work that goes into the the sports and whether someone's enhancing or not there's a lot of work that goes into the training so if they're a little mm -hmm. bit so if they're confident you know michael jordan yeah. michael jordan was arrogant Ooh. if you watch the last dance michael jordan admits he was arrogant yeah. because he knew he was that good and he expected that from his team exactly he knew he was that awesome. good because seven mm -hmm. freaking seven freaking trophies uh yeah. the uh the the not the pennant but the uh whatever basketball gets um oh right right, right. i got I, seven I of them mm -hmm. so yeah he, he knew his worth he he was knowing, entitled to be confident. knowing knowing your work and being confident about it when and the biggest yeah. you know of course it's it's my agenda to stay humble stay honest and focus only on the work not to be a braggart but focus on the work and the next thing and accomplish the next thing and accomplish the next thing. You've got folks that are like, oh, don't let it get to your head. And I'm like, well, why not? What, what do you have to get to your head? Don't try to diminish what I got. Because once that shit, once that, once that trash talking starts with somebody else that hasn't done shit, that's when the, the first thing I say is like, well, hey, listen, I'm on TV. You can go on, on you can go on, on demand. You can mm -hmm. click on demand and find Mm -hmm. oh, okay 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 you're, you're a little cocky now i'm like no i'm honest that's a that's a fact and there's nothing wrong with confidence and honesty right. no i i agree there's nothing wrong with that and i think that even more now in this new year mm -hmm. new us right all of a sudden that we've all had time to explore and think about what we do and all that and yeah. a lot more work is starting to pop up and all that you you can't sit behind and just watch you you know if I'm an editor I've got to stay current and relevant and because me and another hundred thousand women are up for the same position for example so I gotta do my part and like you said if I'm an athlete, like, okay, uh, it takes a lot of elements to be who you are. So I, I can't just sit behind and watch. Like, I've got to stay in this game and be adaptable and be current in everything that's happening and, and saying yes and jumping on things. So otherwise, I, I mean, you're yeah. going to, people are going to forget you very quickly. And, and, and so and then in this industry, yeah. it is a lot of, of that. It's it's you gotta hustle to uh, get where you wanna be, whether you're an actor, whether you're a director, whatever it is, it's so competitive that you cannot stay just behind and then low key you you not being cocky per se, but that confidence, like you said, is not necessarily bad. You have to have that confidence and be like, well. I know I could do this and I'm good at this. Therefore, I like Michael Jordan, he knew his worth. So why say otherwise? He knew he could do it. He knew he was talented. So I feel like that's the main thing for this new year is being even more confident about what you already can do and knowing your worth and hustling for it because 
everyone's going to start hustling for everything right now. If you decided you want to stay in this industry, for example, some people decided, well, I can't do this. You know, I have two kids at home. I, I, I can't work from home with two kids, whatever it is. So whatever your situation is, we all have different situations and I understand that. But uh, if you decided that this is what you're going to do. But but to touch upon that and not not interrupt Mm -hmm. you, but to touch upon Mm -hmm. that, I can't do this. That means you don't want to do this. If you want to do it, you'll, you'll make it happen with the two kids at home. True. So many times my daycare, so many times my daycare closed and I had to take the kid all day and I couldn't, and I couldn't do, I had to like dump podcast guests. I think, I, I think I had, to, we had to reschedule three, four or five times. You just, you and me yeah. had to reschedule three or four times. You got gigs. I, my daycare closed, my schedule changed, internet went out, power went out. All right, reschedule it. If you say no, oh, all right, no problem. But you kept saying yes. And I kept saying, let's reschedule it and let's make this happen because I want to, and I'll make it happen with that kid and, and the wife. And, and you'll make it happen with, you know, all the other gigs, because if, you know, I was working on another show with a colleague and he was like, man, I'm too tired. I'm like, eh, then you're never going to do this. Mm-hmm. You're never going to do this. The reason why you keep taking extra shifts at the bars because you keep buying everybody bar tabs and you're blowing $200, $300 at the bar. Then you got to work a double to, to make up for that. And now you're too yeah. zonked out to work mm-hmm. on this little YouTube web series that we have. You got to yeah, make it. You gotta, yeah. yeah, you got to make a decision. If you're not partying, if you're not partying and you're focusing all your free time on the show, then you're going to save money. And all you got to do is work regular shifts. You come back, we do three, four hours after work, or we do eight to 10 hours on an off day. Yeah. And then boom, we've got like a whole series just pre-scheduled out for the next year. And we only spend a month or two on it. And all these apps are are, 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 uh, scheduled on YouTube, you know, for the whole year out. But yeah, you, you're right. Pick your priorities, mm-hmm. man. Like you, you're, you're going out, you're partying, you're buying people shots, and then you got to make up for that money by working a double. Mm-hmm. When your double exactly. could be the show. And then that show turns into a thing that you actually want to do. Yeah, no, yeah. I completely agree. If you want something, you're going to make it happen yeah. with 10 kids, with no kids, whatever it is, yeah. you make it happen, right? I mean, and yeah, and, and, and the priorities that's very true that's very true um I think I've learned that earlier on in my career and and it's keeping that priority straight because that is not an excuse like okay no judgment you're free to do whatever you want with your life but then putting that as an excuse saying like well this is what I really want to do but you're not showing that because you're doing other things that are deviating yourself from getting to that goal um so uh, yeah priorities <laughs> if you really want something you're gonna make it happen and it's 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 rough it's not easy of course not but you know there are so many success stories of people who who were persistent and maybe didn't have the optimal situations at home or wherever it was even before the pandemic you know now it's it's different obviously but 
you make it happen. You make yeah. it happen. And, and so I, I think that more now than ever in this new life that we're going to start, that has to be even more prominent. If you want to do something, you got to go for it. You have to uh, prioritize how you're going to make it there. Yeah. Um, so for me, at least that's my new way of thinking is not that I've never been like I've always been driven and I've always wanted to prioritize what I wanted to do but now it just feels even harder it just feels like you have to hustle even more um and like I said st stay relevant because you, otherwise you're just gonna go to the bottom of the list and yeah but yeah, but I think the trick but I think the trick with that with prioritizing and 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 I agree to an extent it is kind of harder because there's so many more people out there but they're they're utilizing these tools you know there's reminders there's notes there's google calendar you know and for me with a lot of my projects it's formulaic right now you know right now I you know I've got a number of web series and and some documentaries and a short film and it's like you, you, you working on these has to be formulaic. Mm -hmm. The show has a formula. Every episode is kind of shot and edited the same way. You know, mm -hmm. those ID crime shows, they're all shot and edited the same way, but it's the subject matter. And there might be a little bit of extra doodads thrown in there to make each one stand out. But everything has to be formulaic. So you can, you can knock this stuff out and you have to make it somewhat easier on you to take advantage of technology, take advantage of, uh, you know, get into a habit of these, of, of this, that, and the other thing to turn things out and to make this thing a normal thing, you know, going to the gym in the morning and then, and of course eating and then on final draft, uh, on final draft writing or on final cut editing, or, you know, mm -hmm. an hour and a half to two hours with a guest on the show. And, um, it's got to be scheduled and it's got to be habitual, just like eating and taking a shower and going to the bathroom and waking up is habitual. Yeah. All your, your work and your passion, people are like, oh, now I'm bored with it. You have to trust that process because the next thing you know is going to turn into a, into a thing. That's going to be the thing that's going to turn into a huge thing. And you stick to that process at least starting off. And mm -hmm. then, you know, this web series um, or the dance show, it turns into like the biggest dance show ever. And now you have complete control over it. You can step back a little bit, take your time, relax. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. Exactly. But you needed to put in that work and that and build yeah. that habit because yeah. you're right. It, it's like working out. Okay. You can't just work out today and then you're like if, if that's what you want to do because whatever uh this workout works for you you can't you have to make it a habit so same way we make that a habit or eating or whatever because we obviously need to eat um so it doesn't happen overnight it, it's very easy to think that well i want to be a director so i'm only going to take the, these gigs or I only want to do this 
okay, but before I get there, I need to do all these other things and build all these other habits. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't, I'm not going to wake up one day and have a script. Like I have to build a habit of writing to and be consistent with it to have the script. And so you're right. It, it, it is a lot of, about habit. And um, if you don't do that, I, I mean, a lot of those business books and uh, inspirational books and all that talk about that and then and, and putting in the time. There's this book called The Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And it's, I don't know if you've read it or know about it, but they talk about. I've, the, I've the, heard of this outliers. Outliers. Yeah. And okay. he talks about he, different stories, but one that struck out the most is, you know, for athletes. And he talks about specifically about hockey players, but you, how you need 10,000 hours of work before mm-hmm. you can be a professional. So you, ha- I mean, it's not to say that it's exactly the 10,000 hours of work, but you need to put in the work. If you're a singer and you never, you practice once every three months, but you want to become whatever the next Lady Gaga, you're not going to make it that way. I'm sorry. You might, you might be the most talented person out there, but if you don't put in that work to put yourself out there, yeah, it's just not going to happen. Um, so building that habit for any industry, for anything, and, 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 yeah. you know, you have to embrace the suck. Like if someone's trying to be a Lady Gaga, someone's trying to sing, you got to go to karaoke and you got to suck and you get laughed at. And then you work yeah. on your vocal range and you, and, uh, you know, like I tried that a couple of times and, you know, I can sing a lot like, uh, Brian Johnson from ACDC. You know, I can do the whole ACDC kind of singing thing. And I was singing along with ACDC songs right. and my voice cracks. And so people make fun of you and they're like, okay, well, if I want to kind of make that a thing, just keep going at it and keep doing it. People don't yeah. like it. People think that one music video you did was a piece of crap. It's like, okay, all right, do another one. Don't quit. Do another one. Don't quit. <laughs> and and I always think of, you know, back to like military, you know, I've deployed a couple of times and you have to embrace that suck. You know, uh, uh, you know, shitty food, terrible accommodations. Everybody, a lot of people are spoiled and they're like, oh man, you know, I'm not eating that food at the defect. I'm not eating that food at the chow hall. I'm going to order delivery every night. And I'm like, embrace the suck and save that money. Just drink, you know, drink filtered water or drink you know, like cheap bottled water instead of buying like this expensive, you know, yeah. uh, 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 performance water or, you know, like the, the enhanced waters. Just drink that cheap free bottled water or filtered water and save all that money. You embrace that suck so that when you get off this deployment, you've got like $75,000 saved and you can go on a little vacation or when you get back to your house, you can, uh, you know, soup up your house a little bit, you know, um, pay off the car, you know, embrace that suck to make your life when you get off this deployment a little bit better embrace that suck when it comes to these gigs embrace that suck when you're working when 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 you're uh uh building your craft when you're building your when you're building your art embrace that suck and you can refine it there you can refine it here a lot of people are so quick to quit yeah and -hmm. it's like well if you really really want to do this a lot of times i just 
you know, and, and I get criticized for not being able to take criticism. And I was like, that's not true. I take criticism. Oh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you should put yourself, you, you, you need to stop shooting all these selfies in your webs, in your one web series and just shoot the other stuff. I'm like, okay. And I take it into consideration for about a millisecond. And then I disagree. I'm gonna keep doing what I want to do. And people mistake that as not being able to take criticism. Not being able to take criticism is when someone criticizes my work and I lose my mind and I start cussing them out. That's not being able to take criticism. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I take your criticism. Thank you. I'm going to keep doing what I do. Exactly. I can yeah, take... no, nothing wrong with knowing what you want to do. Like, right. That's another thing. You have to... Um, uh, for criticism specifically... It's so easy to feel like, oh, well, it makes you question, right? Oh, maybe they, you have to take it in. Absolutely. You have mm. to analyze, okay, is this good or is not good? But ultimately, if, if this is what you know is going to work for you, you put your foot down and you continue doing what you want to do, right? Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I agree there. I mean, criticism is... As, as an editor, that's something that we get every time. Every we always. Oh get well, hell, you got a client though, so yeah, that's different. Yeah. Having a client's different. And it's like, oh, okay, you want me to change that? No problem. Boop, boop, boop. Sure, I know. There's, I heard this um, editor talk once on this podcast. I forget what it was, but he was talking about the stages of criticism as an editor, and and, and it's so true. Like the first step is always like you know screw you like my work is great what are you talking about right and the next phase is like oh maybe I suck maybe I maybe I did this wrong or mm -hmm. yeah I'm the worst editor and then the third phase is like okay what do you want me to do like I'll do it you know as editors we just have to do like if it's a client which most of the time is or the director of course it's their vision it's their work so you have to say yes right um, so different, different type of criticism, not side notes to what you were saying. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Emma, we've been droning on for an hour and a half and, uh, I think it's time for, uh, like an early beer for me. I don't know about you, but I know you're on, I, I know you're in New York, so you're, we're probably on the same time zone, but, yeah. uh, Emma, I can't thank you. I can't thank you enough for coming on. And, and this was a blast. And, and uh, you know, I, you. I'm continuing to be inspired. Are there any uh, socials, links, plugs you want to put out there? Sure, 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 sure. Um, simple. It's Hemalexia89. That's my, that's my very impressive IG handle. Uh, and yeah, no, thank you. This was been really fun uh, i had a blast talking with you just going off on things and discussing life and the industry Hell it's yeah. very nice to to talk with like-minded people and, and see what others are going through during this time that's the whole point of this starting off anyway mm -hmm. you know just talking to fellow creatives uh, I, I guess that's the best title for us generally because i have all sorts of different creatives on here but um yeah, yeah dancing with mia 
Nia, yeah. Nia, dancing and, with dancing with Nia. You got ten more episodes. I gotta let you go. You got ten more episodes to cut. So I got ten more episodes to do. But thank you so much. Yeah, this is fun. So well, the, thanks, awesome. Dave. Yeah. Um, to my viewers, I uh, hope I've earned the privilege of your time and viewership. I know Hema has. Uh, take care of yourself. Take care of others, and uh, you know, continue to be creative. And Hema, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for the time and the space. To the viewers out there, if you want to become an honorary member of the Zombie Squad, send me some, uh, hit me up on, on any of the socials. Um, send me the name that you want to be credited as, as your as a honorary member of Zombie Squad. Send me your favorite one or two profile pictures, avatars, what have you, your profile pictures on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and we can squad you up. I will make you an honorary member of the Zombie Squad and, I, I'll, and, and I'll design all this stuff. I'll design a t-shirt, I'll design your logo, your whole Zombie Squad kind of profile. If you wanna be an honorary member of Zombie Squad and give you the options to buy a t-shirt to buy a phone case to buy a pillow to buy a tapestry to buy a hoodie to whatever the hell you want but if you want to be a mem honorary member of the zombie squad let me know and uh I mean, you gotta put they gotta put in the work though all they all they, all they have to all they had to do is send me one or two of their profile pics and uh they'll be an honorary member <laughs> of the zombie squad <laughs>